0: Hey y'all, welcome to Conversations with Heavy Cardboard. Today should be definitely a good time. I'm pleased to be sitting down and chatting with a guy who is not only a very good personal friend of mine, but also the man behind one of the hottest up-and-coming board game publishing companies around. In just a few years of existence, he has single-handedly made available to a much wider audience such fantastic games as the 2013 Golden Elephant Award winning Arkwright. Three Kingdoms Redux, The Cole Series, Lignum, along with the upcoming second edition of Wildcatters, The Climbers, and the most brutal auction game of all time, Noya Heimat. And just because, you know, he's not busy enough, he also co-hosts the Deep End podcast as well. I am, of course, talking about the uh, Troy, Ohio's native son, Clay Ross of Capstone Games. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard Clay.
1: What an introduction, man. Holy cow. <laughs> well,
0: you it's know, I'm like just a, trying to trying to do it upright, right?
1: Yeah, that's nice. That's very it's like a Game of Thrones introduction. I don't know if you watch that show, but oh, man. of course I do. Sure. <laughs> awesome. But yeah. So it's, h-
0: how are you doing today, Ma?
1: So, I don't know if you know, um, my wife and I had our second kid about a a month ago. Man,
0: you just ruined my whole night. I was like, all right, so first off, congrats on kid number two. But, all right, go ahead.
1: I am am struggling, (laughs) man. I got coffee again today, and it's just been a rough month. I mean, we get about two or three hours of sleep, then the baby wakes up, and then it's just back and forth, man. So, I'm dying for the day where it's just like, I can sleep and <laughs> well
0: correct me if I'm wrong but you you made this decision right I mean this mm-hmm. was a, this was a choice you made that's yes. that's why Amanda and I only have a greyhound well, oh right? there you go man right <laughs>
1: all
0: right so first off we'll start with a softball what got you into the hobby first off
1: got me into the I've loved board games forever um, back in the day I used to play Monopoly all the time that was my favorite. Um, I don't know. I think it was just the money and the way you can interact and trade with people. That was awesome. But um that fell off the wagon, I don't know, in high school and college and all that. But um then I picked up Catan at Barnes and Noble, my brother's recommendation, which was kind of weird because I was like he was like, Yeah, you should play this, you would like it. And I was like, when have you played this game, Catan? <laughs> and so we got it, and I just remember reading the rules and just that moment of my, this, this open world where you have decisions instead of just, you know, rolling dice and you move that much and that's what you do. Right. Um, the ability to interact and live, this is like a true trading game with people and that was just the most awesome experience. And I just fell in this huge black hole of just exploring all these, these games. And, uh, that's really where it got started. And that was about 2010. So
0: all right, so you actually have a few years on me because Amanda and I didn't really seriously get into this hobby until about four, four and a half years ago, almost five years ago now. So, all right, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, so did you just, you know, one day think, hey, I hate money. Let's start a board gaming publishing <laughs> company. <laughs> no, no, seriously, though, um, how did publishing come about? Because normally you hear about people wanting to start designing games not clay he wants yeah let's publish so how did that come about
1: well just to be completely honest um we share i mean we we, prefer that yeah yeah we share the uh, (laughs) we share similar tastes um we both like heavier complex games i mean tell
0: me more i'd like to subscribe to your newsletter okay (laughs) all right
1: um but yeah so like when like 2012 is like when i really got into the heavier stuff um it's hard to find good quality games. Um, I fell in love with Colon Colony. And um, that that was like the first game, like the really heavy, dense game that I've ever played. And um, finding these types of games are really few and far between, especially in the United States market, unless you have a lot of a, a big fat bankroll and can afford international shipping. Um, Fair
0: point. Or, or just have a show, you know. So you, either Yeah, exactly. Or. Right, right. right. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So in the same vein as you guys looking to get the awareness spread out there and, and creating this content surrounding the the what I consider phenomenal design games. Um, you, okay. I wanted to bring that to people. Um, uh, if you get to know me on a personal level, which you have, but um, for everybody else out there, um, I've got a couple brothers and a sister, and they make fun of me all the time, um, especially with food. Whenever I like something like – if it's a new food and I try it and they've never had it before, I will be on them like you guys got to try this. It's so good, <laughs> just try it. Like I'm gonna be on you in Germany, man, for beer. You there's some beer you got to try there, and you're gonna you're gonna do it. I guarantee for, you're gonna do for it. For those
0: that don't know, <laughs> clay with sleep is like herding cats. So clay on <laughs> on on lack of sleep, it's going to be a handful. So okay, but 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 on a serious note, though, I mean it's it's one thing. To, you know, say, wow, you got to try this awesome game and hey, it would be great if more people could play these because, you know, this print run only had four copies in it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's a huge step from going from that to. Yeah, actually, I'm going to be the one to make that available. So how How? Um, I plus you have a wife and kid to support now, two kids to support. So how does that decision get
1: made? Um, it really started. I started thinking about the business in 2014 and I had graduated. I graduated from with my bachelor's in 2010 and then I graduated with my master's in business. In 2013, so around 2014, I got the idea because I knew I wanted to start my own business and do something for myself. And uh, I felt like I had the acumen behind it to be able to understand all the aspects of running a business successfully Okay. And, um, I knew I wanted to be in, in the board game industry and I found a perfect fit with the heavier games. I love them. They're not available. Let's bring them and make them available. People are wanting more and more out of their games. Um, this is the perfect opportunity to enter the market and just really kind of taking all the education that I had in the past, um, and just putting it, um, putting on a paper and, and uh, making the right steps forward. Just wanted to make it happen. Yeah, it's risky. And I'm, I'm a person that is of the belief of, we all have short lives and, um, you're only here once. So make the, make the most of what you can. Don't just get into a grind and just settle, um, really get out there and, and, and try something. And this is me doing that. And yes, it's very risky. Um, sometimes I don't sleep well at night because it's, it's, I mean, you, you're freaking out a little bit on the inside, but and then at the other time, you're, you're riding the, the highest highs you've ever ri- ridden before in your life, and um, it's it's been totally worth it so far.
0: Oh, uh, trust me. Um, yeah, and hi. you're in the same shoes, man. <laughs> I mean, you are literally, and you're
1: actually one step further than me because um, I still have a day job. But right, ho- hopefully that will come to an end soon. Um,
0: so, so it was, so it was a perfect, just a perfect storm. Again, a lot like how we started the show, we saw a market lacking uh with the podcast and yeah. obviously eventually the YouTube channel and so we were like, "Hey, there's not a lot of people covering this and so you went about it very much the same way just from a publishing standpoint then just
1: exactly there was exactly. a hole let's fill it yes there's an opportunity um especially in the marketplace the if there's the demand for it um. You just need to make sure you can serve the demand and, and recreate that demand through time and and, and build a strong brand. And, and if you can do all the things right, then you'll be successful.
0: All right. Well, on that note, though, how do you go about selecting the games that you want? Oh, well, let me back up before I even get started on that. Why don't you go and tell folks about your publishing? I guess principles like what is it that drives capstone games because up to this point you have done nothing but re gotten existing titles and reprinted them so what's your what's the why does capstone exist other than that what I'm fumbling over my own words here good thing I don't have a podcast <laughs> uh, <We're fun. laughs> but no seriously what like what's the driving force behind capstone as far as what is your
1: like what's the brand? Like what's the definition? Yeah, of the I brand? guess that's a
0: good way to put it.
1: Sure, go with that. Um, the brand, obviously, you know, heavier games. Um, I, I'm not a fan of. If I'm going to a game night, I'd rather play one game that's deep. It's got a lot of tough decisions to make that have um, lasting consequences, um, and it's just a a lot to get your head wrapped around. And those kinds of games don't get old to me. Um, my wife and I play games and she's not a big gamer and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you know, we'll play Splendor together. Um, Tar guy is another one we play together, but after, um, well, kind of excluding Tar guy, but like in Jaipur, but after playing those games about 10 times, it kind of becomes more of the same. You know, there's right. You you feel like you've explored all the options with the game and that's just a letdown for me. I, I like to explore. I like to try things as I mentioned before. Um, when there's a game like Arkwright or Through the Ages or Nations, which is a little bit better than Through the Ages. Oh, you. Yes. <laughs> all right. We're going we're to fight. Okay. It's going to be like that today, Clay. Okay. All right. Um, but games like that where there's – you play it one time and you're like, wow, that was really cool. I didn't realize that you know this was going to happen. The rules didn't really – I mean I understand the game, but I didn't understand the consequences that were going to happen. Then you play it again and – You've taken what you've learned and you play it again, and then it's you you think you're going into it like, oh man, I've got the best strategy, it's gonna work, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, left turn. There's something else that happens, (laughs) right? And it's just you keep you keep uncovering these layers. I like to think of it as like a like a nine layer cake. The first layer is your first experience, and you just keep uncovering these layers and layers of design, and it just blows me away that one person, or you know, in the case of Nuno and Paulo, two people can create such a unique economic system that just flows like that. It's so natural. And those are the types of games I I like that just encompasses all those elements and, and are able to provide multiple, multiple plays of just uncovering and discovering and, um, Things like that. So. It,
0: it, it's like I'm interviewing myself. This is this is pretty weird, I got to yeah, say. I,
1: it's, I'm <laughs> telling you, man, we have the same tastes. So Well,
0: I mean, you do. I mean, Capstone started. I mean, I realize you haven't said it, but I mean, basically, you just go through our backlog. Our back <laughs> yeah, catalog there's a and re- shirt
1: you guys have out there that's like <laughs> an out-of-print on the back i think so i have that on my wall and i just got like little i've got a sharpie so i like scratch it off like 2018 and then there's like one for like 2019 no i'm just kidding but no, see, yeah, and, it and,
0: is. And people think you're kidding but I, I really don't think you are i uh all right so so that's kind of the the publishing philosophy i think is a good way to put it so now yeah. You have, up to this point, only done reprints or republished games, however you want to ver-
1: you know, use the right verbiage there. Can I just say something about I feel like that has a more, like, a. I, I don't want to make it sound like it's just like, hey, we're just out there finding a game and reprinting it.
0: No, mean um, I don't mean to diminish it, but please, go ahead.
1: Know, I was going to, like, I'm not the, o- the only game that we've truly, like, really, hey, we reprinted it and done nothing with it outside of production enhancements. Is, is Three Kingdoms Redux. Right. Um, that game has been playtested beyond playtesting means. Um, and there's nothing you need to do to change it. Um, but we enhance the quality of the components. But with ArcRite, with Lignum, um, with the R- Ruchifart reprint, um, we're adding so much content to it. We're just taking it. We're taking a game that was great, and we're just putting more into it. From the designer. So. All right.
0: So I actually, one of our patrons actually asked the question when I was getting ready for this. He, he wanted to know, do you think publishers who decide to reprint a game shortly after its initial uh, release, you know, say in the first few years or whatever, um, do you feel there's an obligation to make upgrades or changes or etc. to make it viable to early adopters to, to give them a reason to, to reper- repurchase the game then?
1: Uh, that's a double-edged sword that I've learned. I, learned. I learned, that really quickly. Um, especially with arc, right? Because we added, um, we added an extra two game modules. Right. Um, and everybody that has the first edition comes to me for, Hey, we need an upgrade kit. We don't want to have to reinvest in a whole new product. We just right. want to be able to, you know, buy the upgrade kit. That's more stress on the publisher because, depending on who the uh, original printing was done by um you don't know how many copies are out there especially in the market that you're focused on um you don't know and that's that's the biggest uh mystery out there is like okay so for example arkwright there's a thousand copies how many copies made it to the united states I don't know. It's tough. You can look at the fun again numbers and you can also look at people that actually mulled it over and traded with people internationally. What percentage of those people are really going to buy the upgrade kit? Um, And then you got to do the math on that and it's probably, we'll call it uh, 200 people max that would buy the upgrade kit. So going to a printer and, and printing 200 copies of an upgrade kit is not really feasible. It's just not... I mean that's it's a lot of time to, to focus a lot of energy in doing that, but um, the payback is not is not there, is what I'm trying to say. So okay, so that um, that,
0: that, that kind of gives folks the reason why these things do yeah. or do not happen. Yeah.
1: So yeah, and so with that learning that I I mean so and then SpielWorks fortunately they they are like okay Uli was like I'll do the upgrade kit you know this is since SpielWorks was the original and we're upgrading it. Speaking to Speaking about
0: Arc explicitly right.
1: Yeah. I will, you know, offer the upgrade kit because I feel obligated. It's under my brand, whatever, um, and that was great. I mean, Uli and I, we get along so well. I that man is awesome. He's he's a great person. But with taking that information and and applying it to future projects, uh, like Lignum, for example, where mm-hmm. we just completely changed everything in that game from the artwork to the components. Um, we have a double sided board now. Um, the base rules. In Lignum, there's three different sets of rules. In our version, it's one version, and it's everything that it was intended to be. And then if you want to play the expansion, you just flip the board over, and you've got a, the little flyer sheet that explains what's going on in the expansion. But
0: Yep, no, that did a much better job. That was my biggest complaint about Lignum was, really, how do I follow, oh, I have to read all three rule books if I'm playing
1: the expert yeah, version? Yeah, you're pulling out all this like pieces of paper, and you're just like, oh, it's in this book. Now I need to, f- oh, i got to reference this one now. And it's just like, come on. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But you're right, totally. The, the reason, and so we, cr- we design, the, not design it, I'm not going to take credit for the design, but um, we create this new uh, edition that is so enhanced over the original that there's no feasible way to even do an upgrade kit. I mean, if you did an upgrade kit, you're talking $40, 50 And at that right. point, it's like, just get the new edition. So, um, And we did the same thing with uh, the Rur, which is the reprint of Rooster Fart. And right, right. Um, adding the double-sided game board for the Ohio River. and
0: Totally, um, totally a vanity project, was it not? No, I'm just messing, Clay. I'm yeah, just, no, because, i Because, I mean, you are, you're an Ohio be, native.
1: I, so. I'm going to be honest with you. So um, I went to Cincinnati for school, um, and that's along the Ohio River for the people that don't know the geography. But um, you, you see this river and you see barges go across all day long with big, huge coal uh, boats and stuff like that. Um, they have old steamboats from back in the day. They're not powered like they were like with the wheel and all that. The The paddle wheel will move, but it's not powered by the paddle wheel in the back. Right. Um, and you can just take, you can go on like a two hour lunch on one of these old steamboats up and down the Ohio river. Um, but, uh, the history is still there. And that was a big part of my childhood, just going down there on the river and, um, to the Reds games and stuff like that, which by the way, I hope that hat is a Reds hat. Oh, you know, it is. It's back. You're pointing to the MLB sign. Let me see this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I like it, man.
0: (laughs) This makes for awesome podcast listening. Go ahead. Yeah. Check out the (laughs) Cincinnati Reds.
1: Okay. But I wanted it. And because there was coal being shipped up and down the Ohio River, I approached Thomas Spitzer and was like, look, the Ruhr is great. That's a great game in itself. Let's add some more content to this game and get people that live in the United States something to relate to. And that's why we talked about doing the Ohio river. So, all
0: right. So on that note, so let's talk Rochefort. So obviously Rochefort was the original. It was originally the first game of a three game trilogy from Thomas Spitzer. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, but you decided to, well, first off, how did you go about getting the rights to that?
1: Um, I played Has. Well, okay. So I played colon colony a while ago. Um, and then I played Haspel Connect from the Carson City Big Box Kickstarter. Okay. And I was like, okay, this guy, Thomas Spitzer, is, I, you could see something special in this guy. Nobody designs a game like he does. He's a unique guy. Um, <laughs> yep, I agree. And it's just, you know, when you play a game by him, after those two different games, um, you know that his, his design philosophy is unique and it's something special. So, um, I approached that was through Quinted obviously. And so I approached Arno. I approached Uli because there's like, um,
0: so Arno of Quinted games and Uli of Spielworks. Okay. Correct.
1: Yeah. So they have, I mean, they're because Thomas is split up between those two and, um, going into the, uh, the deep part of it. Um, basically, um, it all routed through Thomas. Um, their rights were all with him on the first two games. So, um, we had a good conversation, hit it off pretty well. And, told him what I was interested in doing and he was very, very ecstatic about it. And, um, it's been a great relationship ever since.
0: And So now you decided to release them in a different order in which they originally released. Why was that?
1: Um, this was a, this is a project of mine and I've learned a lot in the last. So capstone started in 2015, um, in August and I've learned a ton about, this industry in that time. I mean, you just getting to conventions is is where you learn a lot. But when I was at it was at Gen Con, we had Arkwright. Uh, we had a little ten by ten booth last year, and we still got shafted with another ten by ten booth. I'm so disappointed. I hope we just <laughs> blow it out of the do- the water, and, and we just get complaints by the Gen Con staff. You guys have too many people on your booth. Sorry. <laughs> I'm hoping <laughs> I tried that to get a bigger one, but yeah, you wouldn't I, let me. I know. But anyway. We had Arkwright set up um, on, the, on this big main table, where like right when you come up to the booth. It's the first thing you see, and you look at the game board, and yes, it looks like an Excel spreadsheet. Whatever. Um, and I, that's per- yeah. I like the way
0: it looks. I know it's I'm the one the of the oddballs. Fe- it's
1: the most, I like the way it looks too. I mean, how else can you look at that board and get everything you need to know about the game in a blink of an eye? You know ag- everything that's going on.
0: I mean I feel like both you and I are are going to be a little bit biased here. I mean, you did republish it and I, you know, we we did give it the 2013 Golden Elephant Award. Yeah. You know, so obviously we both are in love with the game, but yeah. I, I there's something about the aesthetic of it with the muted colors and everything else that just it it just works. It just works yeah. and it's clear.
1: Harold Leisk is the is the uh illustrator and he does a really good job at doing that in games, but I learned what I learned is People were turned off by that. They're like, oh, my gosh, this looks way too intimidating. I don't want to feel, number one, I don't want to feel stupid if I'm trying to play this game and I don't understand how to play it. And number two, it just looks like not fun to some people.
0: Wow. Um, Well, and, and that's a perfect example of why we try and not use the word fun on the podcast very much, because your fun and my fun are going to be different than those people who said those things about Arkwright, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, some people walk by and they're like, wow, that's got a lot of wooden pieces. It's really beautiful. Uh, but it just looks really overly complicated. And I'm just a little intimidated by trying that. Um, and then we had Haspel Connect, um, one of the production copies in the booth. And we every single time somebody said one of those three things, you could just see their head turn to this colorful board of like the, the, the forest land and the tech tree of, the, of Haspel Connect. And they're like... What is that over there? And then, like, they would just flow into that, and it's like, all right, this is an easier game. So, the Cold Trilogy, the way we re, we're republishing it, is to step through and get people more acclimated with a more complex game. Haspel Connect is the easiest of the three. Or, is gonna or inter- the
0: lightest. I I think is a good way. I to don't put mean it. easiest yeah. like that. Yeah, you're yeah yeah with yeah.
1: That. yeah. No, I I hear you. I hear. You. Um, it's the lightest of the three by far. Um, Roushafart takes it a step up a little bit um to more of a Puerto Rico level in my opinion. Um and then coal and colony is lots and lots going on in that game. Very lot a lot of interlocking mechanics and stuff. And this is a way for people to follow one theme, one set of games, um, and also go through history. Because in Haskell Connect you're starting at the discovery of this valuable resource of coal. And then in Ruchefart or the Ruhr, um Coal is now so prominent that industries need it, factories need it, cities need it. People want it in other countries so you can export it to them. So you, you're delivering the coal to these different um, different market channels. And then Coal & Colony, which is going to be a little bit more complex, is all about the consolidation of the industry and how these mines, all these independent mines were just kind of consolidated into the bigger buying groups out there. and um, Just prog- a nice progression through time. And it also gives people that... Um, it lowers the barrier to entry for people to try a more complex game, is what we're trying to do.
0: Which, obviously, both me and Amanda, having the show that we do, appreciate that. But also, I would think that just folks that enjoy heavier games out there will appreciate that more and more for the simple fact that you're trying to groom more gamers to enjoy these heavier games, which means more people for those of us out there that enjoy these games to play with. So it's a win-win, right? And that is, that
1: is a hundred percent true. Um, I've seen reports, articles out there. Um, people are wanting more and more out of their games. And this is the, this is the way to do it. So,
0: well, that makes me happy to hear, obviously. <laughs> so what helps you helps us, what helps us helps you. So everyone drives home in a Cadillac. All right. Cheers. So let's, let's go on now. You mentioned how you went about selecting the Cole trilogy with uh Thomas Spitzer going through him and the whole nine yards having played those games, but in general, how do you go about selecting what it is that you're wanting to republish reprint, fill in the right word again um what is it that grabs you about the or or what is it that needs to grab you about uh, the with games these games, yeah.
1: Um, so we've been obviously pitched a lot of games and, um, some people don't even know what capstone is and the, the brand behind it. And it's just like, come on, man, I'm not looking for a five to 10 minute card game here. Um, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, it's, and then you've got people who do have something a little bit meatier and it just doesn't really fit well. But, um, have you played, you've played pipeline from Ryan Courtney. I um, have. That's a game we're going to be doing in 2018. Oh, hey, yes. so
0: it is official now. Yes, we, uh, made,
1: we made the deal at Origins. And All
0: right, congratulations to both sides then. All right. That's,
1: yeah, that's going to be an amazing game. Um, so that's
0: going to be your first, uh, you know, new game then.
1: Yeah, first brand new full box, never seen the light of day, Cradle to the Grave game. All right, so before we get into Pipeline then, but up into that
0: game. Mm-hmm. How do you choose the games you want to reprint? Is it just games you really dig, <laughs> or yeah, I gotta or, dig or, it. or is it? Um, I mean, obviously, going into I gotta... our back catalog. I mean, seriously, I'm very curious as to that.
1: I okay. So the games we printed, um, I kind of like to think. So Spielworks, I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to like make it. Um, I'm trying to do an analogy, and I'm not really good at doing that. But like <laughs> with Spielworks, when they when they make um, when they make a game and they print it, you don't. I mean. You know it's going to be a unique game. They're not all they're not all the same. True. Um, some publishers have the same feel to them. Um, I don't want to mention any of them, but um, you know it's going to be it's going to have some unique things. The rules overhead might be a little over the top, but um, they have the same feel. And with Spielworks, it's a little different. You know, wow, this game's you know I didn't even see this coming or whatever. So, like with Three Kingdoms Redux, Lignum, um, Arkwright, those are all kind of different games. I mean but how we pick them it's just you got to play them and if they have those the if it if it fits the nine layer cake model i don't know that might be a thing now um if it has those layers man i'm going to be very very Yeah interested but in
0: but at the same time not i mean there are a plethora of heavy games out there that have that although Some are going to grab you more than others. So what is it that it just is it just literally is it something as simple as whether it's you or the team with you that you're like, dude, this has got to be the one this. Yes. Can you feel this? Okay, I get where
1: you're going with this. You know what I'm
0: saying? So what is it that grabs specifically that says, okay, this is a game I got to pick up?
1: So you're true. Yeah, this there are games out there. There's a lot that I'm like, well, this is really good. Like, um, like Iki. Um, it's more of a medium weight, um, like a Toi. But uh, I really like that game a lot. But does it fit the brand? And is the market going to react to it the same? I mean, is it going to have. Okay, maybe I need to rephrase that. Is the market gonna react to it differently than my opinion? Because I have a vested interest in the game. I'm I'm on cloud nine with this game, like it's so good. But All I gotta right. remove myself from that and look at it from the market's perspective. Are people out there gonna see it the same way that I see it and appreciate that? So there's some um perceptions that I have to look at and and just get an understanding of like, is this a feasible game for everybody out there? Um it's it's just a matter of, will it be a hit? I mean, it, you can't predict the future, right? Sure. So well, you got to uh, have a very strong inkling that this is going to do well in there. And there's certain mechanics in a game that I look for that um, give a rewarding experience um, that kind of beat you down a little bit, like an Arkwright Lignum. You always run out of money. Right. Um, but then after... You know, a few rounds, and you do some good moves. It clicks, and you get that—you get—you get get a little bit of a a reward, and then it just clicks a little bit more. And then you get a bigger reward. And just by the end of the game, if you're playing right, um, you'll get this—you'll just get this gratification of, man, I did a good job in that, even if you lost. But okay, um, that just things like that I look for. Um, I have to remove myself from my own personal perspective. And try to see it from other people's perspectives if this will be a good fit for the market. All
0: right. So on that note, and this is probably the question that I am most curious about uh, asking Clay, the publisher, about is you had just mentioned that obviously you need to make money off of this or at least not take a bath, meaning not mm-hmm. lose money on yeah. these games. Yeah. So the ultimate question then, to me, is how do you decide a print run size?
1: Okay. So for print run size, that is a huge factor.
0: Because it, before you get started, because you have different philosophies out there. I mean, you, you, since you're, you're bringing up Spielworks, Uli has said it's a thousand copies. The end. That's what he makes. The end that is the exception to the rule i feel like that people have it uh most companies do not have a hard fast print run size so with that said
1: please continue yeah so print run size tells a lot about a company um and how they operate um you that number you can peel it back and look at okay this they're not going to have a lot of um they're not going to have a lot of inventory costs they're not going to have a lot of fulfillment issues um it just tells you a lot about the company. Um, whereas Mayfair, when they print ten thousand copies of whatever game, um, they have that brand built behind them to to be able to support that. Right. We, I mean, you guys. I mean, you guys know we print really good games: Arkwright, Three Kingdoms Redux, like We think the, so. It's all <laughs> been at least nominated for your your award, and <laughs> um, be, just because it's you know a phenomenal game like that doesn't mean that it's going to sell right Um, as well as a mayfair like if mayfair printed lignum i guarantee you that would be like the baron park of origins or whatever like everybody would have been like oh my gosh let's gotta go check out lignum because mayfair printed it they have that brand recognition okay um it for a company like myself i can't put ten thousand copies out there they would never sell right um unless it's like hey, this is like the once in a blue moon shot, all the stars aligned, everything went perfectly, and marketing just got out there to a point of mass interest. Okay, Chances of that happening are 1% or less. And um, So as a young company, you have two options. Do you use your capital to print a game and drive up hype yourself, or do you rely on Kickstarter, which is in and of itself a huge working mechanism that i'm just looking at and saying no thank I was, you i don't that, want anything that's anymore.
0: the next question so stay yeah. stay focused keep going okay yeah, so um
1: <laughs> so for capstone we're two years into it it's going to take a couple years for the brand to get built and people to understand what it's um what it's meaning and and what's what type of quality we have behind our name um rome wasn't built in the day right so um that has and it's so fun when you go to conventions I just remember origins last year. Nobody really knew Capstone. They heard about Arkwright from you guys. That was the biggest draw. Um, Like, oh yeah, Heavy Cardboard talks about this game all the time. It's uh, is it good? I gotta play it. We play it and they love it and it's awesome. That was about the extent. And a couple stragglers would walk by. And then every convention since, it's been like, oh man, Capstone, you guys are doing so good. You got all these new games coming out. There's still people that are like, I don't know what Capstone is. You know what is this? And so. It's that slow progression of getting the name out there in the public eye. Um, Until then, we're still going to be on a limited print run basis. Um, But
0: okay, but how do you determine? Okay, a little bit more for this, a little bit less. Like I'm not asking for specific numbers here or anything. But how do you? We're doing a standard.
1: We're doing a. I figured out the right number for our company. um, Ah, okay. And that's the standard print run size. And every time it's going to be that until. We hit a home run, and I feel like that's going to come soon. And um, people can get mad at me all they want, but it's something that we're not going to put ten thousand copies out there and just take a you know just take a gamble at it. That's not a strong business. That is the dumbest business move you can do. <laughs> right? That, uh, um, I don't
0: think I, I don't think the misses so. would be super thrilled with that.
1: Oh, I know. So, like, if um, so when the, if this game does hit it out of the park and. There's a shortage of it temporarily, um, in between print runs. People are going, man, why can't I get this game? Well, it's because you know our brand wasn't as big as what it could have been. So, we we're printing these games. They're great. I'm glad you guys finally found out about it, but now you know. So that's until that happens. You know, we're going to be in this um, in the print run size that we're currently running with, and it's doing great. I mean, we are doing great. It's Origins. Last two weeks ago, was it was. The best convention I've had in my life. That's oh, great to hear. It's amazing. So I'm looking right. forward to. All right. So
0: future. okay, not to belabor the point, but one last kind of tangent on that is: what are some of the factors then that go into a publisher's thought process, or at least? And I don't want you to make broad generalizations on how other publishers do this, but what are some of the thought processes that go into or or things that you use to to come up with this magic number whatever that number may be
1: um the print run size number how do i come up with that yeah
0: like what are just some of the things okay. that go into determining that like i mean okay. because the whole point of of having folks like yourself on this is to kind of pull back the veil a little bit yeah. to let folks know hey this is kind of why And this way if they're like if people are out there like oh man it's only you know there aren't enough game, well this
1: is why this is why okay so as a small company it's just me um i do have help from friends my cousin um people help out and I do want to uh, have a have a bigger company in the future I really do uh, I love doing this but you got to look at um, costs of printing the game um, if you exceed a certain amount of pallets um, for when the game's done in and, and fact and, and packaged up at the factory you're gonna incur more freight con- or ocean containers and that's pretty expensive when you start talking multiple containers so your shipping costs go up. Then you get the game in. Then you got to have the tools to um, unload it at your warehouse. Um, and that's space. That's physical space that you that have, you have to, to rent, right? Yes, rent out. Um, I'm not there yet to where I have my own building. But um, that's physical space and it's taking up space. And if the game is not selling, every month you're paying this rent on on space for this game. And so and as well if you are if you have to take loans out to to make a printing you're also paying interest monthly on on those games on top of the actual uh, storage location so okay a lot of factors have to go into it and it's like you want the game to last but you don't want it to last too long you know you you don't want it to sell out immediately cuz then you're like okay well now I don't know well, I should do. have printed
0: like, more right and yeah. now there's how much a- do
1: I print like I don't even know I mean that just <laughs> right. sold out quick do I print the same do I print like do I go nuts and do 10,000 copies and and then
0: there's that delay in between print runs that you have yeah. to deal with right where oh yeah.
1: did I lose the buzz right exactly so there's a lot of those factors and so I feel like I've narrowed it down to the, to a good number um, it's not perfect it's not is a, it, there's no
0: is there some trial and
1: error then that
0: comes into this I mean truly
1: yes Yes, absolutely. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna you're gonna do a game that you thought was gonna be amazing, and people were not gonna to wanna uh, buy it. Um, we haven't had that yet, but um, the number that we've hit has been pretty consistent since the beginning, and okay. we've been we've been just doing that, and it's been really good. So I, I feel kind of lucky on that. So,
0: well, is it? Uh, and and this isn't you know blowing smoke, but is it is it a mix of luck and you know, business acumen and and making the calculate smart, calculated risks, or is it just who
1: got lucky? Luck is a major factor. <laughs> you wouldn't think about it, but it is. Um, um, you could call it luck, but uh, that's that's definitely um a variable in it. And also, you have to have you got to have some kind of business acumen because I get ideas from pitched to me from people, and it's like, oh my gosh, man, I can't. Eat, I, I don't even want to waste my breath to explain why we're not going to do that. So um that th- there's some of that. So it's a little bit of both.
0: Okay. All right. So all right. So let's circle back. You are a new-ish publisher, right? You're only a couple few years under your belt here now. Yeah. Why not Kickstarter because it seems to me me being not media side, I'm saying just general public side. Kickstarter removes a lot of the risk. So yeah, why do you what what why, why do you uh scoff or or just chew elect not to go that route?
1: Um sometimes okay there's a couple factors. Um one of the small ones is I don't like to wait around. I just want to do it cuz I like this game a lot. I want it out there. Um but that's not really a, an excuse. Kickstarter um they take a ma- they take a cut. I think it's 5% and that that hurts. Um then you have to have somebody run it. I don't know how to run Kickstarter effectively. Um, there's a whole strategy to it and it's completely different than um doing what I'm currently doing. It's not traditional the same publishing. Okay. Yeah, it, All right. the the marketing strategy for Kickstarter is completely different. Jamie Stegmeier is he is the law for Kickstarter. Yeah, he Kickstarter. is the master of Kickstarter. Yeah. I agree with C-mon, that. Simon, yes. Simon, I don't know if it's the minis that's doing it, but they I mean, I don't know how they made 5 million dollars on that new Uh, I don't know, I just saw a tweet from uh, Brandon from Brawling Brothers and it's like, $5 million for an expansion? I think it's an expansion, but it's like, oh my gosh, man. So, yeah, don't get me wrong. I look at Kickstarter and I'm like, Brass made a million (laughs) dollars? Yep. Gosh, what if I did that with uh, Wildcatters? And, you know, we had some sweet upgrades like wooden boats and wooden drilling rigs right um then linen finished cards and a cool game you know all this stuff and it's like yeah i could do that but i don't i don't have the resources and and I, i just feel like it's yeah it's not risky to do it because you know you get the money up front but i feel like i don't have the right um understanding of kickstarter to fully do it um Especially serving the European market and the Asian markets um, with shipping and all that, and a lot of people I feel like get on there and they're they're really dissatisfied with how the kickstarters run. If you look through the comments section, it's like there's a yeah. lot that you guys aren't seeing right now from my perspective. And if yeah. you saw it, you would not write that comment in there. So yeah, there,
0: Well, and and that's kind of what I'm trying to do here. Is like I said, to try and give people that bes- behind the scenes look, so maybe they can be, yeah. you know have a little bit better understanding of where things
1: are. Well, look at this. Okay. So Stephen Bonacore from stronghold games. Um, he does a really good job with his company and, um, he did, um, um, the miniatures one he did on Kickstarter space attack. Um, this, it, it was a big box game with miniatures and I, I, he did it. I, I got did, nothing for you. Okay. I, sorry. He did a Kickstarter a couple years ago and I think he said he would never do it again. And you know, that's, that's also a science. Like, I mean, that's, that tells you a lot about what Kickstarter is like. It's, it's a completely different avenue of going about um, uh, creating a game for people. So um, it's, it's not,
0: so it's not so much that you thumb your nose at it. It's just, it's not a skill set that you feel comfortable with,
1: right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I have no comfort in Kickstarter, and I, it's not something. It's not a tool I want to use because. I, I I trust Capstone is going in the right direction. It has a healthy heartbeat. Um, it's growing, and you can see it at the conventions. Um, it also Kickstarter also cuts out the retailer big time, and it cuts out distribution big time, and that pisses both parties off because they don't want to partner with you um, because most of the demand has been served when you do a Kickstarter that sells 20,000 copies. Uh-huh. Um, you're really pissing off a lot of people, and... Um, even though there's the oh you can do the retailer thing and you know pull pre-orders in through that way but you know you're still doing that so um yeah i just it's not an avenue i'm interested in doing i once capstone gets healthy enough um there would be no no reason at all to to do a kickstarter so plus and one one other sorry one other thing is the stretch goals i'm not a fan of all right like if you're going to print a game put your best foot forward and, and put it out there the way you want it to be. Um, and the other thing I hate about it is when they add like, a here, we're going to include this bonus card or this bonus card sets. And it's like, that has never been play tested. Is that going to unbalance the game? I mean, is that really needed at this point? So that's my two cents on it. A lot of people disagree with me, but Hey, it's an okay no,
0: one. I, and I appreciate it. No, I, 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 you know, I, I have wondered privately, why you wouldn't go the more risk-free direction of Kickstarter, but also there is—I mean, there are people that fall on both sides of that, right? Like scoff it's at not Kickstarter. Risk-free. It's well, not okay. risk-free. Well, okay. Let, uh, look let at, me Look at that. the
1: guy, um the Glory to Rome guy went bankrupt. Fair enough.
0: Uh, fair enough. I shouldn't say so, risk-free. Well,
1: yeah, it's advertised as <laughs> risk-free, as risk-free, or but it is not risk-free.
0: <laughs> fair enough. Fair. <laughs> n- I misspoke. Fair enough. Um. All right. So let's switch it up a little here. All right. So now that you've got a number of games under your belt or under your publisher's belt, uh, how do you feel you've grown as a publisher?
1: Uh, like I said, every day, every week, especially every convention you learn, there's so much information, just so much communication, reading people, um, just having a conversation with your customers, your, your, your end customers, the guys that are going to the guys and girls that are going to retail stores to pick up your game, hearing what makes them interested in the game and just understanding their thought process is, is so valuable. You can just, I mean, this, the amount, I mean, I'm trying to take all this information that's thrown at me and putting it into like a little bottle and, and just like, this is my permanent memory of, you know, how to do this now and like enhance my, my, uh, my company in the future. So it's, it's a learning process. It is a huge learning process, and it takes a lot of time, but it's totally worth it.
0: All right. Well, on that note, how long until Capstone becomes your full-time gig? I mean, it, that is if you even want it to be.
1: No, I do. I wake up every day and it's like, oh, I got to do my day job now. I want Because <laughs> my emails are coming in. It's just, I get it. Like when I was at Origins, I'm, I'm still backlogged from Origins. I, it's just ridiculous. I'm to the point in my life with capstone uh, where I have to make a decision. Do I do capstone or do I do my day job? And going back to the very beginning when I was like, you got to." I'm, I'm of the belief that you should try something, even though if it's risky, just do it. You know, you you're, you'll you'll live. You're not going to die. Better
0: to be 70 years old without regrets than to wonder the what if. Yes, exactly. I'm living it.
1: I I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So um, especially when Wildcatters and the Climbers comes in, if, you, know, you know, I've got all these other games that are out in the pipe, um, out in the public and people are still emailing for some stuff on that. It's just this amount of work is just it's there. It's full time, you can't escape it. I need help. Um and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to probably walk away from my day job probably around S in timeframe.
0: Well, that's exciting
1: yeah it's exciting It's it's, it's
0: terrifying. it's scary. all those things. It's yeah scary yes at least but in my case, I only have a wife and a greyhound in a house. You have a wife and, and two, two kids. kids in a house. yes, yes. yes. so dude i you <laughs> that's that's exciting. I'm excited for you um so. all right, so any okay, I seem to be and by i i mean me and Amanda seem to be two of the only people in this hobby at all that have zero interest in designing games. Do you?
1: In designing a game? I don't know. I have ideas. Um, Things will come in my mind. And it's just a a high level, you know, this would be a cool thing to see in a game. But as far as digging down to the micro um, level, it's not something that I can do. I just don't have that. I don't have the patience, honestly, to reiterate the smallest like okay i'm going to change um this card instead of giving you a dollar this card's not going to give you 3 dollars let's play 5 games and see what the differences are that's not for me
0: okay so. all right uh all right so switching gears back into capstone stuff then um european presence and how does any future uh partnerships or anything like that getting capstone easier overseas How, how, any plans for that?
1: Uh, Like getting our product overseas and available, excuse me, in the European market? Yes. Um, Yeah, so we actually this year just um, partnered with Spiel Direct. Um, That's a German warehousing company. um, RR Games, Bezier Games, um, a lot of big publishers in the United States that don't have that physical presence in the European markets are partnered with this. um, I forget the right word for it. It's just like a. Partnership. I own part of this company. Is essentially what it is. And it's a big warehouse in Ludofact, which is a, a warehousing unit. And um, so retailers across the European Union can order from directly from Spiel Direct my game, and it'll be shipped to them. I don't even have to do anything. Like Ludopact will pack it up, ship it off to them, process the transaction, and deposit it into my account. Nice. Um, obviously, there's some fees for that, but <laughs> I imagine having there the, are. Yeah, having that capability to be able to service retailers out there is going to help Capstone grow in the international markets. It's also going to build the brand up. Um, And a lot of people have asked, you know, I can't find your games in in Europe. Um, We do have partnerships with ADC Blackfire for distribution um, as DVM Games um, in the UK. And um, Enigma is in Denmark, I believe. Uh, We just started that one. So... Um, It's growing and it's not something that you just turn the lights on and boom, my games are everywhere. It's going to take some time to build relationships because distributors, believe it or not, they want to make money and they're not going to pull on. Here's the thing with distributors. So you got some companies that are like um, smaller companies like myself. Distributors don't want to deal with small companies because they're dealing with like CMON, Mayfair, Z-Man Games, Asmodee. Which is the same thing now, but right. Whatever. The big names, I got you. <laughs> the big right. names, the guys who are I'm making s- a lot of product, right? I'm going to send you a purchase order for, I don't know, uh, six hundred copies of uh, Seven Wonders. Give me, give me three thousand copies of Spot It, some Dixit, throw that, and it's just this big laundry list of of a purchase order. Now okay. I got to go worry about Capstone Games, and let me get uh, some. Uh, let me just get Arkwright, and it's like sixty copies or whatever, just for you know. For this month, I need sixty copies. And it's like, why waste my time with a sixty copy order when I could be focusing on this order that's comprised of you know thousands of copies? Okay. It's just too much manpower for them to to handle, especially when you've got more than one capstone games coming at them like all these other smaller publishers. Okay. Um so that's that's part of the, the holdback and getting capstone in the international markets is because these um, we don't have the product portfolio. Um, to support multiple titles for a a distributor to want to stock not more than just one unit they want to stock a lot so okay
0: well Um, again I mean that's answering the whole question of the why right which is what people want or at least I figure if I have these questions, other people have got to wonder the same stuff, right? So I appreciate you being, you know, direct and honest about this stuff and and also letting folks know the why as to – because I feel like people are a lot more understanding if they understand the why.
1: Yeah, there's a um – it was very nerve wracking getting started because honestly, with Arkwright, we had, when it first started, I had the five major distributors in the United States, but not a lot of presence around the world. And that's slowly been building up because now people recognize the brand. Our portfolio's grown. Um, so we've got more titles for them to, to offer to these distributors. And so, um, yeah, it's just, like I said, it's taking time to build this thing. And it's every day, every week, I see it growing and growing and growing. So. I can relate. We'll get there, man.
0: Yep, totally get that. All right, so speaking of growing the brand, Simply Complex, you want to talk about that?
1: Yes, so Simply Complex is similar to Capstone. I didn't want to release it under The Climbers, for example. Um, coming. That's the first title. I didn't want to really release that under the, the Capstone Games brand because I don't want to dilute that brand into like, okay, well, now what is Capstone again? I don't get it, you know? Capstone is still going to be that big box heavy game. Okay. Um, Simply complex is in the same vein. It's it's complex, but the rule sets light. Um, it's more or less got a beautiful table presence with a bunch of wooden pieces. I like that a lot. I'm not a fan of plastic. Um, uh, the rule set and the time to play the game is less than an hour. Um, some people are turned off by the heavier games. I don't have four hours to spend to play Arkwright. Maybe once every six months, but um, that's a that's a thing we hear a lot. Some people have more time and they can play it every week or every month or whatever. That's great. But this is a way to hit more people and offer them a product that shares the same taste that I have and the same quality of design. And that's, that's what Simply Complex is all about.
0: And the first two titles that I'm aware of are The Climbers coming out later on this year and next year, the one that I am super, super stoked about. Not that I'm not about The Climbers, but also... <laughs>
1: It Noia way baby Noia
0: Hyman. yes
1: ah oh, that game is so good I had one of the best gaming experiences like Joe Wiggins and I were playing with um Damon and my buddy DJ and it was just I stood up at the end of that game like I won by like two dollars in that game and it, that just was a moment where I just stood I was just like yes dude it was just like <laughs> it was so intense man that whole game is just an intense bidding like you're just trying not to show your poker face and it's
0: my, my favorite thing oh, about that good. is is the only game i know where i can finish in the negative negative in money and still end up winning the game because i crushed yeah. y'all even more so so <laughs> i mean there's a reason i i it's thought of as the most brutal auction game you talk about emergent alliances that last about 12 seconds uh it's oh, fantastic yeah, yeah. so it's, okay it's, so it's so on that note if if you're willing if i'm if i'm touching on something that you're not uh, at liberty to discuss or don't want to. Please don't hesitate to say no. But I know that there was a clamoring, at least on our side. Again, our side being the gamer side, for those two titles specifically to get reprinted. How'd you get them?
1: Nori Hyman and the Climbers. Yeah. um Starts with a conversation, baby. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh I had to do some digging, especially for the Climbers. That took a while. That took a long time, but. Uh, That was a long, arduous process. Um, I'm very glad I went to Essen. It would never have happened if I didn't go to Essen last year. But uh, you met the right people, had the right conversations, showed them what you're going to do with it, and um, just give them the confidence and and trust. And that's hard to do, especially... Here's the thing. It's very hard to do, especially with the client. Holger Lons, the designer for the climbers. Oh my gosh, man. Every time I email this guy... He responds with, make America great again. Or no, he says, make the climbers great again. <laughs> no pressure. Everybody everybody in Europe is – I feel like because Donald Trump's president and I'm emailing these people, uh, these designers and, and publishers in Europe, I feel like they view me as a mini Donald Trump. And it's like, we're not the same. <laughs> Ah, like I am not that's looking one fo- dude. Yeah. I am not
0: looking forward to going to Essen for that yeah. one reason right there. Um, yeah, that's gonna be a handful. It's embarrassing
1: though. It's so embarrassing. And I was, stay I was talking on to my target wife play. about stay on target. Yes. I know. I'm sorry, but yeah, that's where were we even going?
0: <laughs> How did you end up getting getting these two titles? Uh, and just- showing showing uh, showing the designer every time you emailed them, and improving yourself to them.
1: Yeah, you just you have to have the conversations and it, and just give them the the vision that you have for his game, um, what you want to do with it. If it lines up with what they're wanting, that if they like what you're doing with it, then they'll they'll more than, they're more than willing to give it to you because it's not in print right now and they're not making any money. So hey, hold, this guy's
0: showing me. Hold on, when you say give it to them, you mean license it, not give it.
1: Yeah, correct. They're not giving up. Uh,
0: Again, I mean, I know this, but I mean, just to clarify for the folks listening at home, right?
1: Yeah. So it's a license. Um, uh, I'm not taking the rights from the designer. Um, That might happen in the future for certain printings. It just depends. But uh, for the climbers, I'm not, I didn't take the license uh, or I didn't take the rights. It's just a license. So every game we sell a certain percentage will be kicked back to the, uh, to the designer. Cool. That's that's all what right. that is. All right. And again, that's Oops, a factor in the cost of the game and how much the MSRP is, along with shipping, production, artwork, rule book, all that stuff.
0: So. Okay. Um, so while we're on the topic of Simply Complex, do you have any details then on the climber specifics yet?
1: Um, yeah, so the box is beautiful. I was very, very nervous about the thickness of the box to be able mm. to contain um in a succinct manner the those blocks because a lot of vibration and shipping. Um, just people, you know, pulling it in and out of their bag off their shelf, you know, is it going to split the seams on the side, but this box is really thick. I'm so, so glad about, I'm just very, very happy about that. But the colors we took from the original printing pop a lot better. Um, it just has a beautiful table presence and I took it to origins to get that, to kind of gauge the demand for this game. I wanted to see what people thought about it. We had like five year olds coming up playing this game. And all the way up to you know just regular adults, um, just everybody was coming up to this game. It just has that table presence. The little mini ladders just kill everybody. It's like, this is so cool. You got a mini ladder. like Yeah, it's just stuff like that. All
0: right. I, I meant details as far as availability, cost, stuff like that.
1: Oh, you didn't want to hear that? <laughs> no.
0: I was there at Origins. I know how, um, how popular yeah. it was. No, it was great to see. Yeah. I think – I've made the argument in the past that there are super few games that I feel that everybody should own. Like some people say Ticket to Ride, Catan, whatever, stuff like this. I disagree on those. However, the climbers, and I said this far before Capstone Games existed, that I feel like that's the one game that truly runs the gamut across this hobby. Because anybody can pick it up in two minutes yet it's as heavy as you want to make it
1: yep absolutely i mean that is so true and that's that is the brand that is caps that is the simply complex line exactly what you just said so all right um hopefully details um yeah (laughs) (laughs) like trademark heavy cardboard um the uh the production is scheduled to be done. What does it say on the calendar? It's uh, July 26th is when it's supposed to be completely done being printed at the factory. Um, so then they have to palletize it and everything. But I'm going to have... I want to make a big pallet and have it air freighted to Gen Con, um, which is just enough time. You know, you got two-week window there to, to get the games in and um that way because i live in dayton so i can just drive it over to indianapolis um, which is very convenient so cool so um, so
0: gen con people will be able to yes. purchase copies that's cool yes. good deal
1: it's it's gonna have i mean we're just having one pallet that's it i can't do anything else about that the other it'll be on a boat by the time we're in gen con so um we'll see all right cool do you have a uh do you have a price point yet for that it's, yeah it's gonna be a 50 dollar price tag
0: okay cool that's msrp
1: yes okay
0: all right very cool all
1: right um
0: and i know noia heimat is going to be somewhere around mid next year yeah but a little early on that
1: still yeah so um my calendar for 2017 is completely booked good problem Um, to have yeah i've done i mean wildcatters is the last game and that's beginning production right now um we uh I've got an idea of what I'm doing next year, and it it's honestly really going to depend upon how this the rest of this year—I mean, we just started convention season, so um, all my games are being manufactured or shipped to me right now, and it just depends on how well-received they are. That's going to really determine what we can do next year, um, and I've got certain things I want to do. I'd love to do them all and more, but it really just depends on the reception of this year.
0: All right. Okay. Well, um then switching away from uh from Simply Complex and talking about the other big games that are still coming from you. You got The Ruhr and you got Wildcatters. So, yes. uh can you talk about the the differences now on both of those as far as, um, you know, keep it short, but you know, yeah, give give the, folks a heads up. And yeah, now so the, that it, now that we can talk about the Wildcatters since I've been sitting <laughs> ever since you and i played it with rolf and andre in their condo uh wildcatters the second edition and had to sit on this damn good
1: beer man that was some good beer (laughs) i i am salivating for essen right now i cannot wait i can't wait Um, to
0: have the schweinsoxel but that's just me oh yeah
1: (laughs) and the raw pork yes but um okay so the Ruhr, obviously it's Um, the Ruhr River. Um, Some of the game board has changed, um, some of the iconography on there, just because of playtesting and and, uh, feedback since 2012 when it was released. Um, And on the back we have the Ohio, which is, I like to think of it as, you have Brass and Brass Lancashire. It's kind of the same thing. It's a completely different game. So, um, but it's all in the same box. And um, there's a lot of game in that. I set it up the other night and took some pictures and stuff. And it's just like, that's a lot of game for, for one box, man. That, I, I should have probably done an expansion, but Oh, whatever. So, Good on
0: you. so when's that coming? Yeah. When is that going to be, be available?
1: That's actually on a boat right now and it'll be here for a uh, uh, Gen Con and it'll release shortly after Gen Con.
0: All right. And um, wildcatters, which I am personally super excited about.
1: Yes. That's going to be an S and release. And okay. I'm, my last convention this year is PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia. Um, I don't know the market for PAX yet. I'm waiting to see a little bit more about that in September, October time frame to see what kind of games I'll bring. But I think uh, based on the PAX um, demographics, it's more video game oriented. So I think Climbers will do really well there. Um, not sure about a heavy game, but, you know, time will tell and I'll... I'll you know, kind of discover what that will okay. look like
0: because i know a lot of people are asking in the chat and they're gonna ask so here let's just clarify this and then we'll move on pre-orders for the climbers the roar wildcatters etc how does that
1: gonna work um so pre-order fulfillment is a time suck it just like with um what did we do? Before? Three Kingdoms Redux and the Ruhr Valley, the Haspel Connect expansion. Oh, my God. I mean, it was great. I love getting pre-orders. I'm not trying to say negative things about it. It's just there's a lot of time involvement in that because, again, this is me running my company. I'm not having somebody fulfill these orders. This is me handpacking them for you. So I saw the um, little
0: love note you sent us at uh, at HeavyCon, so I can attest to that. Yes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, every time I pack a game, it's, it's me. Sometimes my wife will help. Um, I'm looking at getting additional help, um, for my brothers and stuff, offering them, Hey, Miller Lite guys, I know you love it. I'll I'll buy you a case if you help me pack these up. But, um, so pre-orders, um, I'll I'll probably, I don't know yet, um, for Lignum, um, we're doing them right now and we've got a lot of those too. So I'm, I'm going to have to do those tonight. Um, they (laughs) keep rolling in, man. They just keep rolling in. It's great. I love it. But It's a lot of work because then you got to – I'm trying to focus on 2018 right now. I want to get some of the design and the artwork done for 2018. So So it's just a matter of allocating time.
0: Okay. So getting back to the herding cats. So we'll start with with the climbers. So you said it's going to be available at Gen Con. That's what, six, seven weeks? Oh, God, it's only six or seven weeks away. Um, Pre-orders, are you going to do anything like that or is it going to be strictly just first come, first serve?
1: uh no it's just first come first serve
0: okay all right but after I, that it's
1: too much a logistical nightmare to do that i mean uh can i what's your name did you and you gotta look at this list of like hundreds of people and you're just like um you're not on the list i was i emailed you duh, 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 duh. so i don't want that no
0: okay yeah. all right so stay tuned i guess capstonegames.com will yes give you all here. the answers you need on that all right so moving on <laughs> All right, so on a serious note, switching gears another time, um, do you think that the sheer number of titles that are coming out each year poses a problem for the health of the hobby, or do you see it as a positive?
1: The number of titles? Oh, it's a positive in every way possible. Um, I don't know why people look at it as a negative thing. Um, there is, there are. This hobby has grown so much that people are will, will will come into this hobby through a certain game and they're going to like certain things about the game and they're not going to like certain things about the game they're going to make a decision on where to go um for their own personal tastes right in relation to that and it's just like um it, it's kind of like an iterative process where you're like okay I like this part I'm going to try something that's similar to that and maybe a little bit different and then you just you kind of find your niche, you know. You might start with Catan and realize I like miniature games, and that's where you end up. So it just depends on it's it's like going down a path and and figuring out where your tastes are in line with um, the game design. And so because we've got heavy games, we've got light games, we've got party games, miniatures, um, war games. Oh yeah, there's something there's, for everybody out there. I, everything's I out yeah. there, and yeah. so people will start. Um, uh, I don't know what the right word. Is. People will start like picking a certain brand. Like I know Capstone has heavy games. I really like heavy games, so I'm g- I'm going to kind of, you know, I- I'm going to play on their games more than you know the other brands out there. Um, some people might like the Fantasy Flight stuff, and they're just going to focus on whatever comes out from them. Ninety percent of my cash flow in board gaming will go to Fantasy Flight, right? Something like that. So that's the way I see it. Because there's so much for everybody, and this hobby is growing. Gen Con's going to sell out. Who thought that was possible? So, I mean, it's it's Actually, it has
0: already. But, yeah. um, Oh, it sold out? Yeah, I got the email the other day that it sold out. So, yeah. Pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah, I I see it as a positive because, well, I mean, there's something, like you said, there's something for everybody. And, you know, if people want to, you know, just they have a certain like and they don't want to branch out, cool, then that works for you. But if there is... If you do want to branch out, there's that availability for you for I mean everything under the sun, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, look at the number of books that are published every year. There's there's tons of them. I mean, right. they're not the same cost as a board game, but you know, you you can't read all the books, you can't play all the games, you can't watch all the movies. I mean, there's something for everybody. It's it's amazing. This is a beautiful time for board gaming and we should just embrace it. Yeah. Oh, I
0: I I I, I I'm a big fan, for sure. <laughs> Um, all right. So what would you give, what advice, what like main advice would you give somebody that's considering getting into the board game publishing industry?
1: Publishing, um, patience is key. (laughs) You have to have patience. You can't just expect to hit a home run and just uh, walk off in the sunset. It's a lot of hard work. Um, you have to just really make sure if you're going to start publishing, you need to have a definition of what your brand is. If there's any confusion on what your brand is, you're done. People will just, I don't know what this brand is. Like, what what am I buying? You know, I don't know what type of game this is. Okay. So. All right. Cool. All right.
0: So, a couple last things before I hit you with a new uh, aspect of these conversations with heavy cardboard. So, uh, first and foremost, get pipeline onto bgg people are clamoring for that so make sure that happens (laughs) soon i realize you're a one-man wrecking crew but still mm, make that happen Mm -hmm. number two um
1: halty (laughs) mocker just you know if
0: uh if you can make that happen i mean don't get me wrong i have the second edition and i have the third edition but I'm What's sure the, there are a lot of people okay. out there that would love to get access to this game, Clay. Just saying.
1: I'm going to I'm gonna just say something. I've never played that game. That, I feel embarrassed.
0: Well, you know, we, I, I would say we could change that at Gen Con, but I know better. There ain't oh. going to be enough time. Um, yeah, Gen Con, that's rough. Yeah. But uh, how about this? Heavy Con 2018. Since you're yes. coming, yes. we play that. Yes? Yes, let's All right. do it. Good. All right. All right. So one last question. This is me just kind of having fun with this. But is there a grail game of yours that you would love or what is your grail? Hey, I want rights to this game to be able to reprint. What is it? Uh, I've never been asked that before. Like a reprinting or or, I mean, a a grail game of a game that doesn't exist, doesn't really make good for good conversation. yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't have one, man. I don't know wildcatters was up there that was up there um that that felt really good to hit Um, okay um a grail game yeah for you like
0: is there like a magic realm or is there you know something that's out of print that you're like dude i would love to make this happen
1: oh man i am drawn i you are going to fail this is in not, this
0: next aspect of this. Oh, you know what? It would have been
1: Twa. It would have been Twa because that was one of the games that brought me into like increasing the complexity. But I like Macau, um, and a lot of people don't, but I oh, do. Oh, I, I, I enjoy that. Amanda does. Yeah, yeah there's a handful of Felds
0: yeah. that we definitely enjoy still. So, okay. That, All right. I'll I, let you off the hook. Okay. All right.
1: Uh, if, I I want to know though, because that's that's not the answer I would go with. I don't know all right. I would All right. So,
0: for those that are listening live and after the fact on the podcast, I'm actually going to hound Clay about this and watch our Twitter feed and I will make him give <laughs> us an answer. Okay. All right. So, we're going to try something new now, trying out something I I wanted to use you, my friend Clay is the guinea pig for. So, congrats. So, Everything that we do here at Heavy Cardboard is top six or, uh, you know, on a on a one to six scale or whatever, because of the fact that, you know, six feels like a good number. One to 10 is too granular. One to four is too constricting. So six. So a series of six fun yet thoughtful questions that have to be offered, like answered off the top of your head. Some of uh, these are going to <laughs> be pretty heavy. Some of these are going to be pretty heavy. Some of these are going to be less so. So are you ready, sir?
1: I apologize to everybody listening. I am so bad at on-the-spot stuff. <laughs> All right. but Let's do it, baby. Let's All right, here we it. go.
0: Number one, off the top of your head, okay? First thing that comes mm-hmm. to mind, and if you cuss, you cuss, so be it. Number one, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were?
1: Oh, if I didn't know how, if, how old would I be if I didn't know? I would say 32.
0: Okay. All right. Number two. <laughs> If you could master one skill that you don't have right now, what would it be? Any skill,
1: whether it's physical. The thing that just comes to my mind is woodworking. Okay. Um, uh, you see Jason Dinger on Twitter all the time. It's like, what is this guy? How does he do that? Yeah, it is know. pretty impressive.
0: His, yeah. his craftsmanship is, is yeah. stupid good, dude. I agree. Yeah. All right. Number so. three. If you could have dinner and conversation with any person in history, who would
1: it be? Arnold Palmer. All
0: right. Huh.
1: You're a big golf guy. I love golf. Okay. I grew, oh my God. I love golf.
0: All right. Cool. All right. Number four. And this is probably the heaviest one. Okay. Yeah. This is the next one. What are three things that you want more of right now? It could be physical things. It could be characteristics, ideas, whatever.
1: <laughs> oh, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, Three things I want more of. Yeah. We'll keep it PG um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay whiskey uh, no go ahead all right hey that's actually a damn good one I want whiskey I want to understand more about whiskey and to just explore that more okay um, what I want more of um, I want more I want more I want more sleep because I don't have sleep right now <laughs> and um, I want more free time. To actually enjoy playing a game, enjoying a nice cocktail while I'm playing it with friends and smoking a cigar. I like – that's like – those three things. Okay. Whiskey, cigars, and playing board games. Coupled together, that's it, man. That's All right. paradise.
0: Cool. All right. Good enough. All right. What do you appreciate most? What one thing do you appreciate most in your friends?
1: Um, I appreciate honesty. Um, if you're not an honest person and you're just kind of talking behind my back and stuff, like it's not, that's not going to work out well for me.
0: Okay. All right. And last but not least, and this is not a
1: softball, but what is your absolute dream job? Oh my God. What I'm doing right now, every, like I said, every day I wake up, it's like, I want to do capstone. I want to do this. It's just. It's that fun, man. I work on it at night and it's hard to go to bed because I'm just having a good time doing it. And it's like one o'clock and it's like, my kid's going to be up at 6 a.m. I'm screwed, but hey, I'm having a good time. So. All right.
0: Bonus question. What one movie, because it's it's my list and I can do that. Uh, what one movie deserves a sequel that hasn't gotten one?
1: Oh my gosh, man! You asked me a movie question, right? I haven't seen a movie in forever.
0: All right, I'll let you off the hook because you notice I don't have to answer these. So no, this I got awesome. one, dude.
1: Okay. Um, that has a sequel. I don't know. God damn it! Oh no, I got it! I got it! <laughs> uh, uh, Cloverfield that needs a sequel. Well, did it, it get did ten have a... Cloverfield? It, it did. Yeah, did. but that wasn't the eh, that wasn't the sequel I hoped for. Okay, so a better one. sequel. All
0: right, yes. cool, easy enough. All right, yes. so now. The hard stuff is out of the way. Now let me look uh, for any questions, viewers, that Amanda has messaged me on. Um, Who was your biggest inspiration and how did they shape you?
1: Uh, My biggest inspiration was my father. Um, He graduated with just a high school diploma and now runs a company in Florida. And I think that's phenomenal in this day and age with um, the requirements for education just has a good head on his shoulders and has been an inspiration to me and how to succeed.
0: That's awesome, dude. Congrats. That's legitimately very cool. Good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Jose asks, um, clay, it seems that heavy games are getting more and more in demand. Do you think this is a cause or consequence of heavy cardboard and Capstone's recent success or the other direction?
1: Um, there's, it's more than, more than that. Um, I think of, Big part of it is, is heavy cardboard. Um, just getting these games out there and showing people, hey, these are approachable. You know, it looks complex, but look, we're playing it, and here's how to play it. Boom, easy. Um, but also, people want more out of their games. They, um, like me, I just get tired of the same thing, like Splendor. All the time. it's the same thing. Yeah, there's some strategy there, but it's just rinse and repeat, same thing every single time. So, okay, that's. that's my well, opinion.
0: I appreciate the kind words, though. Thank you. Uh... Let's see. Um, uh, Yorick asks, uh, "Are you gonna have any copies of uh, Arkwright in at Spiel? Are you gonna be bringing games? How does that work?"
1: Um, I've actually been uh, hounded by distribution lately to uh, reprint Arkwright, so I think we'll be doing that in 2018. Um, I'm debating on when to do it, but I want to. I gotta assess where the demand is because. A reprint can damage you in a bad way, and I uh, need to really focus on the reprint and what size that's going to be. All
0: right, so this is just two dudes talking right now, you and me, right?
1: Yeah, cool, I might do it.
0: A- well, hold okay. on, no, 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 no. How cool okay. is that, dude? That you got a, you reprinted it like your your first game, and now there's been such a demand, you did such a good job with it that, yo, dog, I gotta, I gotta do another reprint
1: of my reprint. <laughs> I mean, isn't I that. that cool? I- yeah, I didn't think about it that way. Um, I'm more, of, I'm more terrified of like I just got to hit the right number. Don't overdo it. Oh, um, trust
0: me. You're talking yeah. to Mister Paranoid himself yeah. and always questioning what we're doing here on heavy cardboard. So trust me. I get that, yeah. but at the same time, take a second and be like, okay, that's yeah. kind of cool, right?
1: That goes back to the three once. I need to relax a little bit more and enjoy <laughs> something. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, uh, trust me. Yeah. Amanda tells me that all the time, as does Matt. <laughs> so yeah, there might be something to that. Um, I don't think you said what's your day job. I know what it is, but
1: um, I work for a large um, electrical um, manufacturer. I sell electrical safety equipment called fuses. So sexy. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, goodness. dude. Let I'm, me tell you about it. I'm getting all yeah. hot and bothered here, not just because <laughs> right. the lights. Yeah, just take it off, man. Woo! But um, yeah, it's just it's not fun it's just a it's a bygone industry and just not a lot of fun so and,
0: and board games is where it's at i uh, trust me i can relate 100 yes uh all right so the last one here is uh capstone ever gonna do an 18 xx game do you have interest in that let's I do start there i do
1: have interest i do have interest um i enjoy them i've only played two 18 xx 18XX, about 18 xx's but uh there's a lot of, um, there's a, that's a conversation that I could have for like 15 minutes on the, the, why I'm so cautious of entering that market. But, oh, um,
0: oh, there's, I, I, trust me, I,
1: I'm fully aware of yes. the pitfalls there. There, it's a big, uh, that's a step of, I, I want to wait a little bit, but yes, there is a possibility just depends. And it's again, going to depend on that, um, where the market is. If that's something that people are wanting, then. Well, I'm I mean, you look at what it uh, how the big success GMT has had for
0: 1846. Yeah, I that mean, was an- that's definitely a positive step, right? Yes, yes. All right, so. cool. All right, last thing before I let you go then. Drop some unknown knowledge for our listeners. I don't care whatever it is. Give us some. Um
1: I uh <laughs> unknown knowledge like about Capstone? Yeah. Uh Come on. I feel like everything's out there. I mean, uh. Well, then
0: you've done a poor job of hooking your friend up here, man.
1: How about, um, just wait till you see the artwork for Wildcatters on the inside? It's going to be, it's going to blow you away.
0: All right. So, on that note, let me, let me try and pry something for you. Did you keep the 3D aspects of the, uh, of the pump or the oil rigs and all that to where, I mean, I've always said that I thought that was the most attractive game on the table. It just looks awesome. When it's, it's about actually to look built. better. Oh, it's about to look better. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Hey, Clay, I appreciate you doing this, dude. Thank you, Edward. This has been, I've, I've had a good time. Good. Very I good. hope
0: so. And hopefully everybody watching live and everybody listening after the fact, uh, whether it's on the podcast or what um, we definitely appreciate Everybody taking the time to do this. I mean, hopefully it made your Wednesday a little bit better. Both Clay's, mine, and everybody listening. So thanks a lot, everybody. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe. And last but not least, this is all brought to you by, honestly, y'all. Because without y'all, this doesn't happen. And our Patreon supporters, we have 244 of them. We definitely appreciate it. Thank you. If it's something you want to support, patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard. So on behalf of Amanda and myself, Clay, uh, both as a friend as well as uh, a, a, a publisher in the industry. Um, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're killing it. Keep up the great work, all right?
1: Thank you very much, and I love what you guys are doing. I can't wait to see more of your videos and the playthroughs. That's I'm looking forward to what's coming out from you guys, so I, uh, I'm i excited.
0: Cool. appreciate that. And everybody yeah. watching, thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time. Say goodbye, thanks. Clay.
1: Thanks, guys.